celebrate the overwhelming, reckless love of our God. How many people would be here or at any of our campuses who would testify to the fact that ours is a God who pursues us? Amen? Ours is a God who comes after us, leaves the 99 to go after the one. I love how the African-American tradition refers to it as God is the hound of heaven. He is the hound of heaven, and he just comes after us. Will you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. Um, God, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us today. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your never-ending love that pursues us. And Father, we just lay ourselves available to you today. Whatever it is that you would like to do in this moment, we ask that you would do that. We open our minds. We open our hearts, Father God. We yield our lives to you and pray that you speak to us. We pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, who pursued us so much that he left heaven, came to planet earth to have a relationship with us and to teach us how to live. We are yours today, oh God. Speak and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you help me welcome all of the campuses at all of our locations. You may be seated. Glad that you are here today. I got a sports coat on, which is a very rare occasion, um, but I figured I would just do that just for the fun of it. If I get hot up here, I'll take it off. But, uh, <laughs> but we are glad you are here. It's going to be a good day. Folks are still pouring in, so come on in. We're glad you're making your way. Make yourself at home. We're so, so glad you are here. Hey, uh, last Sunday we had Vision Day 18. How many of you were here so I know who I'm talking to? A lot of you, but a lot of you, wow, a lot of you weren't here today. Um, I'm more here last Sunday. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to kind of go back and I'm going to catch some things that I, I was not able to say last week because we kind of ran out of time. We had these amazing videos. Can we just thank our videography team for what they put together last week? Those were incredible. But we had those, and we had some extra music and stuff, and then I wanted my wife to be on stage with me, to John Joy, Amy Lynn on the stage with me last week. But because of that, in the midst of the message, I, I kind of left a lot on the cutting floor, if you will. And so before we go into this marriage series oh, um, a week from today in the marriage conference on Friday, I'm going to go back and I'm going to kind of pick up some things that I didn't get to do, which is kind of why I've got the Vision Day shirt on again. If you didn't get one last week, go outside and get that as well. But last week, I threw out that verse of Scripture that comes from the Old Testament that so many of you know and have heard before. It's Proverbs 29, 18, out loud, all of us together, strong like it's the word of the Lord. Ready, church? Go. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And, and so the vision of New Hope Church has always been three words. And if you're new here and you walked up to the building, you probably noticed it on front of the building. They are what? Reach, teach, and release. One more time. Reach, 
teach and release. And from that, we've spent the last 18 months, the staff, uh, we've spent the last 18 months crafting and wordsmithing a mission statement that unpacks reach, teach, and release. I mean, we can all remember reach, teach, and release, but what does that really mean when you think about it? So here is our mission statement out loud. You did that so well on the scriptures. Let's go to this. Ready? Go. We exist to reach people with the hope of Jesus, teach them to follow God's word, and release world changers. I just saw somebody doing it with their eyes closed. That's good. Are the rest of y'all ready to join him? Huh? No, 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 no. I want, to, I want you to put this to memory. All right, I'm gonna leave it up there for a moment. We exist, just think about it, reach, teach, and release. We exist to what? Reach people with what? With what, like? like yeah, with the hope of Jesus. Teach what? The word of God, God's word. And do what? Release. Okay, it's pretty simple when you think about it. But we will be hitting on all cylinders when everybody who considers this their church home starts to really live and breathe and and sleep on that mission. Are right, you ready? We're going we're gonna to say it one more time. If, if you're brave, close your eyes. But guess what? We're going to leave it up so if you have to cheat, you can cheat. <laughs> Only time I'll ever tell you to cheat in church. Y'all ready? Go. We exist to reach people with the hope of Jesus, teach them to follow God's word, and release world changers. Give yourself a hand. You did good. I don't know if you've ever really thought about where that comes from, but the, the passage of scripture that most encapsulates that mission statement uh, comes from Jesus's final words. If you think about it for a moment, if, if you were Jesus, and I know that's a scary thought. It's kind of like if I was Jesus, that's a scary, scary thought. But if you, I don't need any amens out of the front corner here. But, but if, if, if we were, and you think about the last time you see people, like if you can, if you can capture your last words, you're going to make them pretty important. Are you not? It's like sending off, you know, those are important moments. Jesus had lived 33 years, taught us how to live and love, was crucified, dead, buried, rose again on Easter Sunday morning, started appearing to the disciples, and right before he ascended back to heaven, he captured the essence of our mission and what the church has always called the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28. 16 through 20. I'm going to camp out on verses 18 through 20, but these are Jesus's last words. And again, you're reading so well today. Come on, keep it going. Ready? Go. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the year was 2001. We were getting ready to start this church, coming up on 18 years, like I said, and I was studying this passage, and if you just think about it, go therefore into all the world and make disciples, that's reach. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, that's teach. And surely I am with you always as you go to the very ends of the age. That's release. And this is how we spread hope in a very hopeless world. This is how we as a church stay laser focused on what is important for us. You know this if you have a family vision. I hope you do have a vision for your family or a business vision 
or church vision. This is how we stay focused. This is how we recalibrate ourselves on a regular basis and we think about what is important to us. Vision, a divine revelation from on high, is what leads us into the future. With a great mental picture, again, for your family, for your business, or for the church, we take the next mountain together using the talents and the resources that God has given us as stepping stones, if you will, to be more impactful for advancing God's kingdom. It's the power of a mission statement. And I can think of no more important mission for the church. Come on than to be laser-focused on giving this world some hope. Have you thought about that for a moment? This, this world is a very hopeless place. And our job as new hopers is to dispense hope around the world. Can I get an amen? amen. Our job is to be, uh, I don't know, hope dealers. Get you some of that. Hope dealers, right? Many of you know my story. I came from dealing some other things, but, but now, now together we get to deal hope in the world. And, and I don't know if you, you, you actually think about this much. I think about it all the time, but we live in a day of despair. People are literally dying from a lack of hope. Secularism reduces this world or the decades that we live. It reduces it between birth and a hearse. And the truth is there's so much more to the gospel. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but think about it here for a moment. If you are a Christian, this world is as bad as it gets. <laughs> have you ever thought about that for a moment? Let me just let that settle in for a moment. If you have a tendency to get down or discouraged about the hopeless despair of planet Earth, if you are a Christian, lift your chin up. This is good news. This is as bad as it's going to get, because you are going to a great place called heaven. Amen? Now, now, check this out, though. Check this out. Conversely so, if you're not a Christian, hello, this is as good as it gets. Let, let that just hang in the air for a moment. If you're a Christian, man, this is as bad as it gets, because you're going to a glorious place. If you don't know Christ, this world is as good as it gets, because the Bible tells us we're going to a very different, bad place where the absence of God is more than we can actually handle. When I look at our culture and I think about the days that we live in, I think of Charles Dickens in A Tale of Two Cities. Charles says it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And you hope this is why, this is why what we do really matters so much. I know for some of us, it's just kind of play in church. And, and for others of us, man, we love when I do series like Anxious for Nothing because I'm doing my best to help you personally and help myself. But Vision Day is a time for us to just step back and realize that the church is the hope of the world. And the reason the church is the hope of the world is because it's Jesus's church. Can I get an amen? And when, and when, you're, when you're dispensing hope to the world, there's nothing more important than what we do internationally or nationally. Ever so quickly, last week we showed you a few pictures of Street Hope and the graduation group 
You remember that beautiful group of ladies who the church came in and we were able to minister to and we were able to rescue from poverty and in many cases, survival prostitution. Now you're seeing a picture and they're glowing. They're literally beaming with the love of Christ on their face, right? We told you about the Hope Center, the Hope Center that we have established in Kenya. There it is. That, that's our Hope Center. And, and those are folks that serve there and are part of the ministry there. It's really, really cool. We're so excited. We, we, we're getting lots of traction and lots of energy and engagement from you guys on bringing a Hope Center stateside to downtown Durham that would be an international Hope Center that would resource all of our churches as we continue to alleviate poverty, train people vocationally, right? Help people make it in life instead of just a handout, but a hand up, if you know what I mean. We're excited about that. Those are international and, and the vision for a local Hope Center and the churches and the campuses. It's all the hope of the world and it matters. I heard about a story this week that, that I just had to share with you today. It's probably the best story I've heard about at New Hope in quite some time. Maybe it's because of my passion and my heart to grow a beautifully diverse church, right? Let me tell you about a guy. His name is Steve. Steve goes to our Garner campus, and Steve had a, a kind of a, a difficult life. His dad was absent, and then his mom was all he had. Then his mom died unexpectedly, and, and, and then he, he married this amazing woman. His wife's name was Kathy, and then Kathy died. And, and, and you would think that would send Steve off the rails, but actually Steve found his place in the church, got engaged at New Hope Garner, got involved in a disciple Bible study recently, and God started to melt his heart and move in his life. He started to get into the word regularly. But here's the other side of the story that you wouldn't know unless I, unless I told you. On the front of Steve's house, recently flew a Confederate flag. As he was there one day, a delivery truck pulled up to his house to make a delivery. Out of the delivery truck came an African-American man to deliver the package. Steve met him at the door, and Steve said he, he didn't really quite know how to say it, but he felt like the Spirit led him to ask the delivery man a question. What is it like to deliver to a house where there is a Confederate flag on front of the house? That actually led to a long discussion I actually heard it was an hour-plus discussion on the front steps of the house. Now, if you're anything like me and you think like, you know, business-wise, you're thinking, dude, if I was your boss, what are you doing taking an hour <laughs> to sit on the set? But obviously, the delivery guy decided to engage the conversation. They had a lengthy conversation. The brother got back in the delivery truck and left and Steve felt the Holy Spirit of God leading him to take the Confederate flag off the front of the house. I was talking on the phone to Steve and just kind of understanding the story more. And he said, he said, Pastor, here's what led me to do it. He goes, I just kept spending time in God's word. And as I read God's word, I saw unequivocally clear in the scriptures that as a Christian, I should love all people regardless of anything and I knew I had to take that flag down and guess what he's going to replace that flag with a Christian flag sorry for those of you who are going to say oh glory no 
He's going to put a Christian flag on the house, maybe with old glory. I don't know. But that is the power, is it not? Of what we're doing. Changing lives. Embracing a mission that is not about me. It's not about you. It's about the hope of Jesus Christ. That is what new hope is about. If you love it, let me hear an amen. amen. So let me ask you a question, though. A very important question I want to ask you. It's a practical question. And I realized that in a church like ours, we're reaching folks that were a lot like me. You, maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Like we were never churched. We were unchurched. We were de-churched all in one. We just never went to church. And so maybe, maybe what I'm about to talk to you about is something you've never heard of before. But I want to I preface it with a question. We all get excited about the mission. Amen? We all get excited about the way God's using us to change lives. Amen? Here's my question. How do we pay for godly mission? How do we as a church pay for godly mission? Because ministry and mission costs money. And maybe you've never stopped to actually think about this. And so what I'm going to do in my remaining time, and I promise not to make it too painful, I promise not to try to rant and rave and scream and twist your arm and manipulate you and all that kind of thing. No, no, no. What I want to do in my remaining time today is just talk to you about how the church funds mission, how the church resources this God-sized vision that the Lord has given us. Now, first of all, let me tell you what it is not. We do not fund the ministry of the church through bake sales in the lobbies of our churches. Amen. Amen. Now, now, I would love to eat some of your baking. I'm sure you are a good bake, baker. <laughs> but that's not how we fund the mission of the church. Here's another one maybe you grew up with. We do not fund the ministries of the church through car washes. Though my truck's kind of dirty. It's been hunting season. It's muddy. I, it's kinda, I'd, I'd love to get my truck washed. That's not how we fund the missions and the ministries of the church. We fund the ministries of the church through this word that most of you have heard of, but again, some of you might not have heard of. It's called the tithe. The what? Tithe. And I, I'm overly pronouncing it like that because when I first became a Christian and I got in the church, I'd hear a pastor talk about tithe, and I thought he was saying tie, T-I-E. And I had to take a moment just to realize what he was talking about. He's talking about the tithe. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit today about that. And in this very moment, I want to acknowledge some of you are thinking, darn, we were doing good <laughs> until about a couple of minutes ago. Hey, can you just lean in for a moment and think about it? Studies show that the average Christian gives anywhere between 1.5 and 2.5% of his or her income to the work of the Lord. So I realize that in this very moment, there might be a sense of dread or, 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 or like conviction. And if God wants to do that, like I want to get out of the way, right, and let God do that. But more than anything, what I want to do today is just kind of talk to you for like Vision Day Part 2. Last, last week we talked about the why. Why do we do this? Why do we embrace upon a vision like this in our church? Because people matter to God and therefore they matter to us. Amen? That's the why. What I want to talk to you about in my remaining time today is how. It's the how to the why. 
In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses deal with money. Of the 29 parables Christ told, 16 deal with people and their money. Now, if I know anything about churches, and this is what some of you have experienced, some churches talk way too much about money. That's, that's why some of you are here. Like, I hear it all the time. Some churches like ours, I believe, we don't talk nearly enough about money. I'm really convinced that one of my shortfallings as a pastor is I don't talk about money enough. I believe that. When I look at scriptures and I see how much it's in there. But every now and then, I got to bring this subject up and talk to you about it. Take some notes with me, if you will. Grab your pen. Grab your teaching notes. Jot this down. Here, here's one thing. I don't think it's a fill in the blank for you. It's just a statement that I want you to capture. People of faith... Invest the tithe into the eternal. Why don't we say that out loud together? Ready? Go. People of faith invest the tithe into the eternal. You sound great. It's amazing when you think about it, but the only thing that we will get to carry with us into heaven is that which we invest into the eternal. You've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. We can't Take it with us. But the reality is, the Bible teaches that as I give to the Lord's work, and I see people being saved and redeemed for all of eternity, that is actually investments into heaven. Some of you are like, okay, so what is a tithe? Again, let me just slow down and let you see what God's word says. Leviticus 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or the soil or the fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. So who does, who does the tithe belong to? The Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So when you honor God with the biblical tithe, that's holy. That's sacred to the Lord. Verse 32, every tithe of the herd and flock, every, what's that next phrase? Every, for those of you who are in the learning mode, the tithe is the tenth. The tithe is the tenth of income. Every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. No one may pick out the good from the bad or make any substitution. If anyone does make a substitution, both the animal and its substitute become holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands the Lord gave Moses. Where, church, where? At Mount Sinai. What else did Moses get at Mount Sinai? The Ten Commandments, exactly. This is sacred place, and a sacred part of our scriptures. Hey, if we don't like Leviticus, back on up a little bit. Go all the way back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Let's read this one out loud together. Ready? Go. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Let's continue. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him Abram, Abraham gave him what? A tenth of everything. In other words, the power of the tithe that is sacred, set apart, and holy is when a woman of God, a man of God, a child or a student of God, even on their allowance, takes 10% of what they have been given, realizing that it all belongs to God, not just the tithe. Can I get a witness? It all belongs to God, but they take that 10% and they bring it to the Lord where God is doing his work and it becomes sacred. And practically, it becomes the way in which the church 
funds her ministry and mission. I say it like this in my notes. When you support the Lord's work, you demonstrate that God is first in your life and that you truly invest in eternity. Now, those are Benji's words. Let me give you Jesus's words. Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Ready, church? Ready? Go. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hey, let's just unpack those few verses for just a moment today. Where are we to store up our treasures? Did you catch it? In heaven, exactly right. When you sow into a ministry that is advancing the kingdom of God, is saving souls and redeeming lives, you are storing up treasures in heaven. Can I get an amen? Check it out. What does the word tell us about the treasures that are stored up in heaven? They're eternal. Moth, rust cannot destroy. They are eternal. Last question. What does the word tell us about the connection between our treasure and our heart? Did you catch it? Where your treasure is... That's where your heart will be. So a good way to think about this, my pastor used to teach me this when I was a young, young Christian. If you wanna know, if you wanna know where your heart is, he used to say, look at your checkbook. Now, who does checkbooks anymore, <laughs> right? Who even carries cash anymore? But if you wanna know where your heart is, look at your bank statement or your checkbook or, or your spending log, whatever the case may be. And that is an indication, Scripture says, where your heart is. Look at Proverbs 3 and 9. Ready, church, out loud, go. Honor the Lord with, your, with the first fruits of all your crops. So what the word is saying, hey, whatever you make as a, as a human being, it can be a college student who earns a scholarship or a CEO who makes $750,000 a year. I don't know, right? Whatever you figure out you make, you set a percentage aside, tithe 10%, which is equal percentage given, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice, equal percentage. It's beautiful image of the way God figured this whole thing out. That it doesn't matter if you're a rich, middle class, poor, struggling college student, or you make no money. If you, I get this question a lot. I need to say this for I get this question. I, inevitably, after this service, somebody will come up and ask me, well, Pastor... What do I tithe if I don't earn any money? 10% of zero is what? Zero. You don't tithe. That's the beauty of the way God set this thing up. It's percentage giving. And so what I want to do is just end with one point of application today. And again, I hope it's encouraging more than anything else. Here's the one point of application. Jot this down in your teaching notes. Step up to tithing. Step up to tithing. I hope I've earned the right to encourage you to do that. I hope you know that I love you and this church dearly. I hope this church has proven itself to you over the years. And I hope you sit there and you go, why would I not want to invest in a church that is making that kind of difference 
in the world. But I want to pause for just a moment and say I understand that it can be hard to move from where you are to 10%. So I want to do for you what Steve Shugart did for me when I was 21 years old. I was a student pastor at a church in Manning, South Carolina. It was my first ministry position. I'd been a Christian for three years. I'd been on staff for about two years, and I was not tithing. Um, didn't really know that I even understood it until I listened to a couple of Steve's messages. And on one Sunday, he put before us a, a concept of stepping up to tithe. Remember I said earlier, studies show us that, that most of us give anywhere from about 1.5 to 10% of, I mean 1.5 to 2.5 of our income to the Lord. So Steve put in front of us, not on fancy smancy screens like we have, this was 1991, he put it in the bulletin. And it was a grid, it was a table. And he said, hey, if, you, if you're here today and you feel discouraged and you think there's no way I can go from what I'm giving now to 10%, Steve said, and what I'm trying to say to you today is, he encouraged us to step up to tithing. What would be your next step in being faithful with your finances? Here, here's a grid. I'll take Steve's work and throw it on the screen for you. Here, here's a grid that might help a little bit. If you look, let your eyes go from the left to the right. Let's just say you're a college student, you're working part-time, or maybe this is all you can do, you're part-time, and you're making $10,000 a year. The biblical tithe is what? 10%. It's $1,000, right? It's not rocket science. It's simple math. It's divine wisdom from on high. Again, equal sacrifice percentage giving. The tithe is 1000 but if you're here and you, like, you don't give anything or at best you tip God every now and then, you know what I mean? You, you throw a five in or a 20 in. What, what Steve said is, why don't you think about instead of trying to jump to 1,000, why don't you think about going to 500? And then next year, you jump another 5%. It's the whole step up. Or go to the next one. Say you make 20. Pretty simple. Two. Well, you know what? I don't know if I can do two. So I'm gonna take some steps and I'm gonna do one now and hope to step up. Let's go another slide or two. You can take this on up. You're smart. You guys can figure it out. You say you make 40, right? There's your tithe. There's your half tithe. Say you make 80. There's your tithe. There's your half tithe. The point is try to take a holistic view Try to not jump from where you are, unless you can, to where you need to be. Maybe you ought to take a few steps along the way. And if you will take a few steps, what was the movie, the old movie, What About Bob? Remember that? Baby steps, remember that? <laughs> just, just, just take some baby. If you want to see a funny movie, if you've never seen that movie, you need to go watch What About Bob. In fact, I think I'm going to watch it later today. It'll help me on a Sunday night. It's a great, great thing. Bob talks about just taking baby steps. But the key is if you're ever going to get this area locked down in your life where you can experience what so many other people around you have experienced, and that is that God loves a cheerful giver, and there's nothing more cheerful and joyful from the depths of your soul than actually figuring out your finances and honoring God. Can I get an amen from those who know what I'm talking about up in here? There's nothing quite like it. Which is why Winston Churchill, by the way, said this. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. 
Two, two final stories and I'll be done. Yeah, I told you I wasn't gonna make it very painful. The beauty of these kinds of days is I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to worry about the tension. Uh, you, know, I, you know my heart, and so hopefully you know I'm just trying to teach and divide the word of God for you. One story that I've always loved to share is my daughter, Anna Grace. Um, Anna Grace is a senior at the University of North Carolina. She graduates this May. She's actually in the Kenan Flagler Business School. She's got a job in Atlanta, Georgia. She'll be moving to hot Atlanta uh, this summer, working for KPMG. Really, really proud of my girl. Um, she's my firstborn. But when she was little, um, she, I, I can't quite remember exactly how old. I'm guessing she was anywhere between five or six or maybe even seven. But I remember being in her bedroom, and um, I was trying to teach my girl about how to honor God with her money, and she didn't have much like kids, but like, I don't know if you do this, but like in my family, um, we, we give our kids an allowance, and I know a lot of you do that, but, but here's something we do. It's a novel concept. We make them work. <laughs> Hello. Get you some of that. It's amazing. You ought to try it. Make them put their phones down and go to work. Sometimes I work my kids so hard, they're like, dude, just forget about the allowance. Just, I don't want <laughs> But like, you know, we, we, give them, we give them an allowance and we try to make them work. And uh, so Anna Grace, like all my kids, had a little money in her piggy bank and I'm, I'm talking to her about money. And um, so we get the piggy bank down and I lay out $10 on the floor. I remember like it was yesterday, it was a white carpet and I laid out the, the $10 bills right there on the white carpet. And I was teaching Anna Grace this tithe, what I'm talking to you about today. And I said, Anna Grace, here's 10. Just imagine this represents all the money you got there in the piggy bank, which wasn't much, but here's 10. Anna Grace, the Bible says that what you are to do is you are to bring one of those dollars into the house of the Lord. And when you do that, you're faithful with your finances and you can take great delight in the fact that God is using your money, which Anna Grace, he gave you all 10. He gave you everything in your piggy bank too. But Anna Grace, you bring one into the house of the Lord. And that's how, practically speaking, God funds his church. And my daughter, who is incredibly smart still to this day, she's brilliant, but she, she, she blew my mind when in that moment, she looks down at the $10, and I'd taken the one, I'd moved it aside a little bit, I said, that's God's. She looked at the money, she looked up at me, she looked at the money again, and I kid you not, my daughter said, Daddy, why so little? If you just stop and think about it, the fact that God has given you everything you have, the clothes on your back, can I get an amen? The roof over your head, the wheels that you ride on, be it four or two. He's given you your children. He's given you your spouse if you're married. If you're single and one day you'll be married, he'll give you your spouse. He gives us everything. And then he says, all I want you to do is bring forth one out of 10 into my house so that I can keep blessing this world and saving souls and redeeming lives. And so I'm inviting you. I'm really encouraging you. I don't have to like, you know, try to yell and scream. I'm just encouraging you. There's no better way to live. Last story. I'm a big Abraham Lincoln fan. I think he was one of the greatest leaders ever. And um, 
Abraham Lincoln uh, was a Christian and he would love to go to church, but he often would not want to go on Sunday because he would be so disruptive and distracted to those in the congregation. And so he would often go on Wednesday nights. And even then he would be distracted. So he would often sit in the pastor's study with the door open so that he could hear the sermon as the sermon was being delivered. After one Wednesday night, he was walking back to the White House with an aide, and the aide said to him, what did you think about the sermon? And Abraham Lincoln said, well, it was very thorough, very well thought out, and it was delivered with great articulation. And the aide said, oh, so you, you thought it was a great sermon, and there was a pause, and President Abraham Lincoln said, no, I didn't think it was a great sermon. It failed. He said it failed because Dr. Gorley, that was the preacher of the day, it failed because Dr. Gorley did not ask us to do something great. You know what I'm asking you to do? When I, when I challenge you and talk to you about these kinds of things? I'm asking you to do something great with your life, particularly with your finances. I'm inviting you, I'm encouraging you, I'm challenging you, use whatever words you want, but I'm asking you to let this area of your life become an area where God does something great with you and me together. And if you think about it this way, the more people, the more of us who honor God with the tithe in this church, the more New Hope Church is going to reach her redemptive potential. And as long as you're at this church or any church, and you at least don't start to take some baby steps to getting this area right, check this out. We will not reach our full redemptive potential as we continue to push back the darkness, lift high the light of Christ, and try to change this world. In other words, in the words of Lincoln, to do something great. And so we're gonna end today and we're gonna do something a little differently. We're gonna give you some time just to sit with God. I actually don't think we do this enough in the church anymore particularly in the contemporary church. We tend to want to keep things moving and we don't like any space or silence so we try to fill it with something, a moving light or a transition or whatever the case may be. But the Lord really spoke to my heart this week as I was wrapping up this message and I started thinking about what I wanted to do and the Holy Spirit said to me, seriously, why don't you get out of the way? And that's what I'm gonna do. I want us to pray and then when I'm done praying, I'm not even gonna say amen. I'm just gonna shut up and I'm gonna get out of the way. And I'm gonna give you about, y'all might wanna extend it a little bit today, but 60 seconds to sit with God and pray about this. And then my hope and my prayer is that as we wrap up today, You'll actually keep working this one. You'll actually go home with a spouse or by yourself. 
Do the math. Figure it out. Go online giving. It's the most secure, reliable way to honor God with your tithe. Online giving. You don't have to worry about it. You set up reoccurring, and it takes it out every single month, and you can put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you have honored God with the tithe. So let's pray together. What do you say? And I want to ask all the campuses to just try your best. If we can just stay put. I know I say that from time to time, but sometimes the tendency is that we say, let's pray, and you guys jet for the door. Would you do me a favor today and try to stay through the final song? The last song that we're singing is King of My Heart. What a great song, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The invitation today, church, is to let Christ be the king of your heart in the arena of your finances. To get that area right so that God knows that God can trust you and bless you because you will be a blessing. Hey, let's pray. What do you say? Let's pray. All heads bowed, please. Eyes closed. Hey, can I challenge you to do something? Why are you praying? Can I challenge you to just open up your hands? That's a powerful posture. It's just, put them in your lap, if you will. Turn, turn the palms towards heaven. As if to say, God, everything I got is yours. You've poured what I have into my life. Today, I'm feeling a little challenged. I'm feeling some conviction. But this would be the big step for you to take. Today, God, I'm going to actually start getting this area right in my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. you. You've been so good to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the divine wisdom from on high, for the way in which You've set up the resourcing and the funding of ministry and mission. God, I want to thank you for every new hoper who's ever given anything to this church, God. You've been so gracious and you've used it so well. Father, would you speak to us now? Where we need to be challenged, would you challenge us? Where we need to be encouraged, would you encourage us? Where we need to have trust, would you trust us? And would we be trustworthy? Father, I love you today. I thank you for these beautiful people. And I pray that in this moment, as I try my best to get out of the way, Father, would you minister to them? Would you... Be with them as they wrestle with this topic. God, where there's conviction, we're sorry. We plead the blood of Jesus over this area of our lives. We receive grace upon grace. And we take our next step forward. Have your way with us, we pray.